is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It is indeed. Welcome to it once again as we uh, finish up a week here on the program. A couple of hours of hockey talk, and then we'll send you into your weekend. Another game from Stockholm. The Toronto Maple Leafs facing off against the Detroit Red Wings. We were hoping it will be a fun game yesterday. It was. Maybe a little awkward getting there as well. Ottawa jumps out to a 4-0 lead over the Detroit Red Wings, and you're saying to yourself, ah, this is my afternoon game. I was promised a good game. By the end, you got one, and you got a great hit by uh, Tim Stutzla as well. Don't call it a shot. That's a hit uh, by Tim Stutzla. Ottawa wins that one last night by one goal margin in overtime, and the legend of Tim Stutzla continues to grow. And it was interesting. I want to get into some Gary Bettman talk, the commissioner of the NHL speaking yesterday, about a number of different things, Ottawa, Pinto, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the future of the global series and using that perhaps Germany uh, could be on the horizon, which which would make me wonder about a couple of things. Uh, you want the players to be there as well, certainly, and you would think about, well, up close and personal, and right, right away you would think of Leon Dreisaitl, so the Edmonton Oilers, if he's still an oiler next year. Calm down, calm down. I'm throwing that in there. It's a little protein shake for a Hockey Talk radio program here on a Friday afternoon slash morning, depending on where you're listening. Uh, but you would wonder if, like, maybe Hassel Plotner, like the owner of the San Jose Sharks, proud German, um, big supporter of uh, German uh, hockey as well, internationally, you wonder if the San Jose Sharks could be part of that too. Anyhow, um, that is intriguing. Um, so over the next couple of hours, we're going to go over a number of different things, and we're going to talk a lot about the Columbus Blue Jackets. And here's why. Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine got benched last night. And... As my dear friend Bill Waters used to always say, more specifically, as we say in the Atlantic, Johnny Gaudreau got benched again last night. Like, at a certain point, it's not so much about the coach and the player, it's the general manager and the player. And is this a right fit for this organization? I'm not beating trade drums quite just yet, but this has been anything but a um, harmonious marriage between these two. And ditto for Patrick Laine with the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's a one-goal game yesterday, Columbus and Arizona. Not sure if you saw it or not or peeked at it, but maybe you've read the headlines today. And we'll talk to Portsline about uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and two of their key players Get in the pine, Patrick Laine and Johnny Gaudreau. So that's still to come. Also, the goalie whisperer. Kevin Woodley is joining us in hour two. Yes, the goalie whisperer. That is trademark Elliot Friedman. I cannot claim domain over that one. That's Elliot's name for Woodley, although I like it. And there is a feeling that, well, greatness borrows, genius steals. And I am tempted to steal that one and just say, Kevin Woodley, the goalie whisperer. I do feel like I have to add trademark Elliott Friedman to that one. Woodley's going to stop by for a tour around the NHL and the various goaltending issues involving various goaltenders. Um, you know, I'm curious about like, like the, the number one issue around goaltenders this year has been well, Edmondson and specifically Jack Campbell. And is there more that we need to know about Jack Campbell? Is there more we need to know about the Oilers' goaltending situation that we're not just getting in the stats that are published on NHL.com or even NHL Edge, um, for that matter? Is there more when you start to peel things back? We're going to tour around the other goaltenders around the NHL. We should probably park some time and talk about the Boston Bruins 
duo of Jeremy Swayman and Linus Ulmark. Um, might want to park some time and talk about the Calgary Flames. We could talk about Thatcher Demko. Like, I don't know how much there is to say about Thatcher Demko. I mean, the only question is, are things good or really good? Or no, are things great or really great? That's probably the better way to phrase it around Thatcher Demko. Uh, Vancouver loses last night to the Calgary Flames. Uh, we will talk plenty about the Flames. Um, big win last night, 5-2. And monkey off the back, monkey off the back for Jonathan Huberto. First goal in 11 games. Huberto finally finally turns in a good performance. Uh, one goal, one assist. Um, Elias Lindholm as well with uh, with the three point night. Uh, happy for them. I don't know that that necessarily changes anything about the direction of this team or the decisions that Craig Conroy, general manager of the Calgary Flames, has on his mind or what are on, what is on the horizon. But nonetheless, the Flames win a game. Good on them. Five to two is the final score. Uh, the Islanders, meanwhile. Suffer a uh, an eighth-round shootout loss. The hands of the Seattle Kraken, that is, yes, seven straight losses for the New York Islanders. They'll play against the Calgary Flames Saturday before tuck and tail and going back to the UBS. All bets are off. We'll see. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts on Hockey Night in Canada joins me now. Fridge, how are you today? I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing? Uh, I am well. I trust your morning is going well. Uh, I trust that you're probably on your your daily walk right now. Um, I am. And the, the, one of the things that I that I want to jump in with, and you know, we can just sort of do the the wide brush thoughts on this. So I'm going to drill down a little bit later with Aaron Port's line. But what I want to get to with you on the Patrick Laine Johnny Gaudreau situation, where you know, dying moments, six or seven minutes left in the third period, one goal game. They're trailing by one to the Arizona Coyotes. We thought it was going to be Cooley versus um, Fantilli. Instead, it's what do they do with Gaudreau and Laine? Does this? Does this wink at anything more than just the coaches upset with these two players, upset at the performance, or is there a bigger issue here? And what I was wondering about off the top of the show, is this about these players and the coach, or is it about these players and the general manager? Uh, I think it's actually bigger than that. I think it's just an organizational thing on their... You know, the, the tough thing about talking about this is that you're, you're basically, you know, I, I wrote in my notes that they thought it was a, a country club. And, uh, you know, someone I, who I really respect, um, you know, reached out to me and said, I, I thought you don't like kicking people when, you're da- when they're down. And I go, I really don't. And he said to me, well, you know, you're taking a run at Brad Larson when you say that, who lost his job. And I said, that's a fair point. Um, and I, as you know, I really don't like doing that. It's, it's just tough to do it. Um, look, you're, you're asking me for context, and we've got to explain context, which I completely understand. Yeah. So, I mean, the challenge here is sort of like doing it under both those situations. And, you know, um, look, I think Columbus really felt that, it was too, that their players weren't held accountable and that they feel that that had to change. And Pascal Vincent, clearly, with the backing of the people above him, is doing that. He is coming right out and saying, look, like, if you don't play hard, this is what's going to happen. And I think the thing, it was interesting, the thing that we kind of talked about was, uh, the the thing that we kind of talked about was, it's still happening. 
Like that, I thought that was a pretty yeah. interesting perspective that somebody said to me this morning. Like, it's hard not to. They listen to our podcast and they heard us talk about it. And, and, they, and they said to me, the, the, the thing you miss in this when you're talking about it is, why is this still occurring? Like, what, like yeah. what is going on here that this, like, it's not like Columbus has done this once or twice. It, they've done it a lot now with a lot of different players. And, you know, he said that you have to really be thinking right now, is there something wrong with your mix? Do you have to change up your group? And that's what he thinks that it might be happening there is, you know, we know Columbus is looking for centers. We know they've had Peak out there. We know they've we've had yeah. they've had um, Bolquist out there. But you've got to be wondering if they're thinking we might even have to do something bigger because we just don't have the right mix. And that was kind of interesting because I thought you raised a very good question about the fact that this is still going on. Like, it hasn't stopped. There, you've got a mix of players that isn't getting the message or your message is not being interpreted properly. You know, this is there's there's one really easy narrative to this that you know the last generation of Nashville Predators and um, and and a couple of other teams that come to mind and Vegas is certainly maybe the the obvious example kind of refutes. But you know there is there is always a feeling traditionally around the NHL that when it comes to roster composition, lion's share of your team has to be drafted and developed now. Last time I checked, the Vegas Golden Knights were the Stanley Cup champions, and uh, you know it's it's Nick Hague, and you got to squint really hard to see who else was drafted and developed by this organization. A lot of it is by necessity because they're an expansion team, but we know that George McPhee and now Kelly McCrimmon have been very aggressive to populate this team with with sublime hockey players. Um, the Nashville Predators, um, you know, they 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 drafted a lot of their defensemen and developed them. But all of their forwards were all trades, and that was you know, historically true, and that still that still stands to this day. So I don't want to say that there's only one possible way to build a team, because I think that would be folly. But I do think chemistry and mix is a legitimate issue when it comes to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And this is one of the risks that you run, because for every successful team that's put together by trades— Vegas. There's another, and there are some players on the horizon. A lot of it's being built around Fantilli, and I get it. But there's a lot of key players that are with the Columbus Blue Jackets right now that weren't drafted and developed in their organization, in their system, but Yarmo Kekalainen brought them in from other teams. True or false, there's always that risk that you may have a bad mix when they've gone through it with another organization and then find themselves plunked on your roster. It, it can happen, Jeff. There, there's no question. Um, you know, but you know, don't forget. Like some of the players, they they were happy to go to Columbus. Like it's not like a, you know Johnny Goudreau, oh, yeah. for example. Yeah, he picked Columbus. So and he was very happy to go there. So I think sometimes what you can draw from your answer is that it's all about um, you know maybe players are unhappy to go there. I don't think that's the case. I think that. Uh, necessarily the case. I think it's in this Guru was happy to go there, but for whatever reason, it's just like the, like the thing is like. And one thing I know about Kekalainen is he really loves Columbus. He cares about Columbus. He's very passionate about the Blue Jackets. You know, you've heard that. We've heard him. We've heard it talked to him before. And you know, like I think they go in this with all the good intentions when they put this group together, and they were really hopeful of where it would go. 
But now, you know, you're really struggling. You're losing a lot of games. You know, it's, it's pretty clear you wanted to send a certain message and there was a certain way you want to do things. And, and, you know, the question we all have to ask now is, why isn't it working? Is it, is it as simple as the team's not good enough? Or is there more to it? I'm, I'm sure those are all the questions we're asking right now. We'll get uh, more into that at uh, 12.35 Eastern, 9.35 Pacific when, uh, when Aaron Portsline stops by the program. Okay, um, the Calgary Flames beat the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I know this is back-to-back for the Vancouver Canucks, and Elias Pettersson still picked up a point. Um, but Huberto Elliott finally scored his first goal in 11 games. A piano, an apartment, uh, an entire city block off of his back. Do you have a thought on the Flames taking care of the Canucks yesterday? And does it change uh, well, anything? I, I don't know if it really changes uh, anything. I think that uh, I think Calgary's got an overall decision-making idea they have to go through here. Um, they, you know, they, they they have decisions to make on where they want to go in certain directions and. You know, as we all know, they've basically pulled off all extension talks. So, and I and I think they've got a lot of teams calling them, especially on their D. They've got three good defensemen who are available there, all of whom are unrestricted free agents. Um, I think they have a lot of things to go through, um, and I do think the Flames are legitimately considering it. Uh, some moves. I, you know, I, I I don't think this is something that necessarily is going to sit and wait for a few months. I mean, it could. But the impression yeah. I get is that they are legitimately considering doing some things now. And so, I, I, you know, to me, one game shouldn't change that. Like, it's, like someone had an argument with me this week about um, is the right thing to do, um, is, it, is the right thing to do fire a coach after a victory like Edmonton did with Woodcroft? And my feelings are always one game shouldn't change your mind. Whatever decision you're making, yeah. I think you're making a big mistake if you do it based on one game. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's, you know, and, and so I agree with that. You, you make your choices based on the overall direction of where you think you're going. And I don't think last night, as impressive as that win was, it's going to change anything. You know, Jeff, I think last night is, you know, it was probably the best thing for Calgary to see was Lindholm get going. Because he has been really, yeah. really quiet. And that isn't good for the Flames. It also isn't good for him. He's playing for a contract, too. And I just feel that um, I think that was big for him, and he needs to get going as much as Huberto does. Three points for Lindholm last night. Um, maybe the game of the night last night, although it came at a, at a steep cost, potentially, for the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, the Kings over the Florida Panthers, 2-1. to one. Uh, The Panthers' five-game Winning streak is over, but flashpoint moment uh, midway through the third period. Pierre-Luc Dubois leaves after a goal post collision. Um, and it, it's it's tough not to see that and not think back to that game, uh, Boston Bruins-Tampa Bay Lightning, and remember Steven Stamkos and the force upon which he hit the post, and the post didn't move, same as last night with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, we hope it's a lot better um, for, for Pierre-Luc Dubois than it was for Steven Stamkos. Uh, a couple of things. Kings are scary good, and if they lose Pierre-Luc Dubois, that's a scary bad thing for the Kings. Yeah, that's not good. And You know, it's interesting. There was a story in the LA Times that Helene Elliott wrote about sort of like the two sides of Dubois. The dominant side is like, okay, Pierre, the game started. Let's get going here. Because you tend to see both of them. Yeah. And so I thought it was really interesting. And, 
yeah, nobody wants to see that. Um, I, I, I like. I just don't like seeing people getting injured. I don't like seeing Tate Thompson get hurt. I don't like seeing Dubois get hurt. And I don't care if you're a first line player, or third or four, or third pair of the year, or fourth pair uh, forward. I just don't like to see people get hurt. So you know, you hope he's going to be all right and everything's going to be okay there. But um, you know, it's amazing. Like Jeff, the speed of the game has increased so much. And the players are faster and more skilled than ever. And I, I have to say, like, the collisions make me more nervous than ever just because of how fast guys are going. Um, you yeah, know, I remember... One of the things Dave that always... If we, could, if we can pa- pause for one second, the, the one thing that I always cringe at, and I think these guys are super skilled, so they can, they can stop on a dime, but the speed at which they go into the boards... To me, yeah. more so than ever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm just soft now. It it just terrifies me how fast they go into the boards, Ellie. I know they stop on a diamond turn and pivot, and they're super elite and can do things we only dream about. But I I don't know, I don't know how more guys don't get hurt going that fast into the boards. Well, I think the other thing too is Jeff is that as skilled as these are guys are at skating, as you point out, they can stop on a dime. When you get bumped or something like that, you lose control, right? So, yeah, yeah I, I remember having this conversation once with Dave Ellett, and he, he said, you know, one of the biggest changes, and he was, he was definitely one of those guys who felt, hey, these players are more skilled than ever. He said the biggest change was equipment. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, they think they're, like, anything proof in, in the current equipment. It's so good and so powerful. So you don't feel like you're vulnerable. You know, he said that in, when they played yeah. in the stuff they played, which was basically paper mache, like one thin line of paper mache, he didn't fly too hard into the boards because he knew it was going to hurt. And uh, so I think about yeah. that a lot. Uh, by the way, Jack Hughes uh, is practicing today, so that's good news. I know. That's great news. Although they didn't need Jack Hughes against the Pittsburgh Penguins yesterday. I mean, uh, you know, they had, uh, well, Tyler Toffoli, uh, the Devils scored, was it two goals in, in, in 20, 20 seconds apart? Uh, Dawson Mercer has stepped up in, in Jack Hughes' ha- absence, and Jesper Bratt was fantastic last night for the New Jersey Devils. Nothing you want to dine out on or be without Jack Hughes for a long time, but that's, that's not just great news for the Devils. That's great news for the league. He's one of the most marketable and exciting players in the game, period, Elliot. Yes, and... Uh... And it's it's also good news that it just wasn't as bad as as it looked. Like that was kind of the word we got after it happened, but it wasn't as bad as it looked. Speaking of uh, slamming into the boards. Uh, Okay, so it is day two of the NHL Global Series. Yesterday was a thriller. Although it kind of started off as a yawner as Ottawa took over early and looked like they were, uh, the game was going to be out of reach. Detroit storms back, and then your guy, Tim Stutzla, the fashion plate, along with Elliot Friedman, uh, bats mm-hmm. it in the net, and Ottawa Senators win. Today, Detroit plays again. Today, they'll face off against the Toronto Maple Leafs at 2 o'clock Eastern. And before we get to the game, I want to get your thoughts on, on a couple of things that, that Gary Bettman said yesterday. And one of the things is he mused about potentially, you know, Germany hosting uh, a global series of games and you know off the top of the show i i wondered like okay if it's if it's going to be germany obviously you want leon dreisaitl there so you would want the edmonton oilers bracket if he's still an oiler just to get everyone all amped up and crazy in, in edmonton uh but two i would have to think that considering who the owner of the san jose sharks is hustle platner that maybe the san jose sharks would be involved in this in some capacity do you have a thought on Maybe this whole thing going to Germany next year. 
Well, I think it would be a great place to go. That's number one. Um, and it makes sense. You've got really good German players and a, a team that made the Olympic gold medal game in 2018. Um, I, I would say, why not? And, I mean, you look at all the um, the good storylines that come out of this. Uh, Alperin being on the bench. I'm sure the ovation for uh, Nylander will be big tonight and some of the other players who are going to play. It's a big deal. And um, I think players like Stiefel and, and Dreisaitl and the other German players in the league should get an opportunity to play on their home soil um, if it's possible. And um, I support it. I, you know, I, I really think, but again, my whole point about this, Jeff, is it's, it's got to be a commitment. It can't be once in a while. If you're going to do oh, it, yeah, you've got to yeah, go yeah. there a lot. You have to be committed to it. And, and I'm all for it. I, I really am. Uh, also, the commissioner musing about the Ottawa Senators yesterday and the first-round draft pick, or the loss of the uh, the first-round draft pick on the uh, the Dodonov situation. And I thought it was interesting that he raised the example of Ilya Kovalchuk and the New Jersey Devils and how that first-round draft pick, albeit was dropped down to the bottom of the order, they still didn't lose their first-round pick, almost sort of chumming the waters or paving the way for how this thing is going to, to play itself out. What, 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 did, what did you think when you heard the commissioner say that? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, I always believed there was a possibility for this. Um, look, it wouldn't surprise me, Jack, if it happens. It, it, it really wouldn't. Um, as, <laughs> excuse me. I, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't know that. I, I thought the same thing as you when I saw his quotes yesterday. I was kind of like, he's not exactly slamming the door on the possibility. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it's the Maple Leafs facing off against the Detroit Red Wings. That one gets underway at 2 o'clock Eastern as soon as this show goes off the air. Uh, Buffalo Sabres, Winnipeg Jets tonight, Florida Panthers, and the Anaheim Ducks. Um, do you have a thought on the, the the situation in Buffalo right now, whether it's you know, less than spectacular goaltending from Devin Levi and maybe a reevaluation of Devin Levi. Uh, you referenced earlier the Tage Thompson um, uh, injury. You know, we were fully expecting this three-team race to, you know, the, the, the Detroit Red Wings, the Ottawa Senators, and the Buffalo Sabres as they, you know, struggle to take that next step and get into the uh, get into the postseason. Jack Quinn still hurt, of course, much more expected now of players like Casey Middlestad. Do you have a, a snapshot in your head of how you see the Buffalo Sabres right now today? Well, I think one of the things, like, you know, one of the things that's going on here, Jeff, is is the whole Patrick Kane situation. And Kane is, has been making Zoom or uh, phone calls with uh, teams this week. He's been, he's been talking to GMs. I think there's probably around eight coaches and GMs. It's not so much about contract. It's about fit. Where do you see him? How do you think you can make it work? Uh, things like that. Um, how can it all work for Kane? And, you know, one of the things I, I'm curious about here is um, does he take a one-year deal or does he go for multiple years? I think it, at times I think that he has considered a multiple-year, if not preferred, a multiple-year plan. And I think at other times he's been – He's been pitched on the idea of just coming for one year, 
seeing how good the team is, and then deciding if he wants to stay, like that kind of thing. The thing about Buffalo, yeah. I, I think, is that to me, if he's on a one-year deal, if he's going back, I, I don't know now that you're looking at Buffalo and saying that's going to happen. But I think Buffalo can sell a pitch of multiple years, and we're getting better. Like that's that's kind of the way I look at it for the Sabers. They're like they're they're probably not going to go as far this year as people thought or hoped, but you see it coming. Like you absolutely see it coming. So the one thing I'm thinking right now with the Sabers is, you know, you continue to build your culture, you continue to try to go the right way, but you're not going for it this year. Like you've got the lean locked in, you've got power locked in, you've got Thompson locked in, you've got all these guys locked in. Like, I just think right now what you can do is you can say, all right, you can build with someone like Kane, but not on a one-year deal. So that's kind of the way I look at the Sabres right now. Okay, real quick before we let you go. Um, the Metropolitan Division, we talked about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think part of the frustration for a lot of people here is whether you're the Columbus Blue Jackets or the team that I'm going to talk about here now in a second, the New York Islanders, um, the division still jump ball for a playoff spot. Like, I know the Rangers are distinguishing themselves, and the Washington Capitals of recent note have had a real nice run um, and have had some help up and down the lineup as well. And Charlie Lindgren has been excellent uh, for them in net, one of the best, you know, uh, AHL bump-ups of recent note in the NHL. Um, But when we look at the New York Islanders, like, they lose again yesterday. The penalty kill is something that Lane Lambert mentions afterwards. They surrender three power play goals. Um, They're 30th in the NHL, 67.9%. Only Minnesota um, is worse. Their seventh straight loss. Um, you've talked about the uh, the Islanders looking to, to bring in scoring, uh, maybe add a defenseman, being around the Calgary Flames situation. <sighs> you know, earlier in the conversation, you said you shouldn't let one game make your mind up for you. But how crucial is Calgary's is the the game against Calgary on Saturday for the fate of the New York Islanders this season? Again, uh, I feel the same thing I said to you before, Jeff, is that you're not making any decisions. Um, you're not making any decisions based on one year. You're not. Like, you, that's just not the way smart organizations do things. You're making a decision. So if you're looking at Calgary and saying, boy, if we don't win this game, we have to make big changes, in my eyes, you've already made that decision. Um, hmm. I, I do think that they are, uh, like, you know, I, I do think they're looking at making schools. I, I do. Um, I think Lamorello uh, has, has, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Calgary's got three UFAD and, you know, Tanev and Zadora they control penalties. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's talking to them. Like, that seems to me to be an obvious thing. Now, with Lamorello, it's not always obvious because he's very quiet. And people respect the way he likes doing business. They don't offer you a lot. But to me, it just makes too much sense that he's not looking at that and saying, what can I do? I mean, the coach, look, like, like I, I hate talking about this stuff generally, but it's this is a results-oriented business, and we see what can happen. Like, I just can't believe that they think the right answer here is to stand at and not do something 
and I look at those calories being, I just think the honors have got to be around that. Yeah, and uh, also, Jeff, okay. they're looking for a score, too, yep. which I, I think should be playing. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I would wonder about a left winger to play with uh, Bohorvet and Matthew Barzell. We'll see uh, where things head. Um, okay, enjoy the rest of your walk. We will uh, watch for you on Hockey Night tomorrow and chat with you on the podcast Monday morning. Thanks, Bell. All right. Take care, Jeff.